0: This is MPB News.
1: Hi, this is Ashley Norwood. Thanks for checking out the At Issue podcast. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, or leave a comment. Subscribe to this and other MPB News productions, like Mississippi Edition, to stay up to date. Don't forget to tell your friends about us, too. You can also watch At Issue on MPB TV, Friday nights at 730 or on npbonline.org. Thanks for listening.
2: Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Wilson Stribling. Welcome to another edition of At Issue, where we discuss and debate the issues facing the state of Mississippi and how these issues impact you. This week, Republican Governor Tate Reeves delivered his second State of the State Address to a modified joint session of the Mississippi Legislature. Unlike ceremonies in the past, only a few members of each chamber were allowed to participate on the South steps of the Capitol in Jackson. Others tuned in via live stream in order to maintain social distance and to limit potential spread of the coronavirus. Reeves touched on topics ranging from workforce development and job creation to cultivating empathy and speeding up COVID-19 vaccine distribution. He said his main priority is getting Mississippi through the pandemic and back to normal.
0: I want you to know, I reject the false narrative that is being pushed by some which says this is our new normal. That even after vaccination, we need to just continue to hide away and live in perpetual isolation. That's just wrong. This is it. This is our moment. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and Mississippi is sprinting towards it. I promise that we will smash every roadblock. We will get this done as quickly as we possibly can and allow people to protect themselves from this virus. It is my most immediate priority and I assure you, it has my full attention.
2: Reeves says he believes eliminating the state's income tax could attract more businesses to Mississippi.
0: I am ready and committed to work with legislators on this and i know that there is an appetite for this type of boldness now i also know that there are still many who say that we can't lower taxes because it puts new government spending at risk and i understand that it is often good politics to act like something from the government is a gift in fact the far left has been playing that tune for generations but we have to be clear. The government doesn't have anything that it does not first take from a taxpayer. And the people of our state understand this. We have to respect the workers of Mississippi enough to recognize when we can show restraint and stop taking from them. Allow them to spend their money that they make, and I believe it will grow our economy beyond belief.
2: Governor Reeves proposal is gaining support among some Republican lawmakers, but some Democrats are concerned about the impact it could have on low income and minority families.
3: I, if you ask me if I were in favor of eliminate, I would tell you yes, but I would also tell you just as Governor Rees did, we have to be, we have to do it in a reasonable manner and over several years. But I think, you know, if, as we have sought, the decreases in the corporate taxes and things of that over the course of the last eight years, we saw a growth in the state with the industry. Uh, we've saw it in our, in our economy. Uh, you know, when you free up a dollar uh, from someone not having to pay a tax. We're watching that dollar be respent in the state of Mississippi over and over again. So I'm excited that we're looking at that. Uh, being from the business sector, I believe we'll be able to recruit more businesses. I believe we'll be able to grow our numbers. You know, we have not seen growth in the state of Mississippi in, in 10, 12 years not and it's time that we we begin to grow.
4: Removing the income tax for the state of Mississippi, Mississippi already is again, cash strapped. Um, and we have literally cut a lot of our state agencies to the bone with what we have right now. So now we're talking about moving hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, or really millions, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars out of our state coffers. And who's going to bear the brunt of that? It's It's minority communities. It's low-income communities. It's, it's our seniors. Those are the folks who are going to bear the brunt of that because we hear all the time in the legislature we can only spend what we take in, but yet year after year after year the legislature continues to give money away to folks who don't need breaks, right? And so I would like to see not to phase the corporate the, the income tax um, out, but instead things like uh, phasing out responsibly phasing out the grocery tax or reducing the sales on uh, the tax on groceries, which we know is a direct tax break for hardworking Mississippians. Because the folks that depend on state services that need that depend on state services for uh, a, a stepping stool to get uh, ahead, those folks are going to struggle. Those folks in our community are going to struggle.
2: On the subject of education, Governor Reeves once again expressed his support for school choice. He defended his decision to reopen schools during the coronavirus pandemic and acknowledged the hard work of teachers across the state. He told the joint legislative body he will support any bill they come up with to increase teacher salaries.
0: We need to keep working. We need to keep fighting for every child to have access to the education that they deserve. We need to ensure that parents have the choice to save their child from a district that lets them down. And we need to reward our teachers for the exceptional work that they do. I support a teacher pay raise. I know the Senate has already passed the Lieutenant Governor's plan. And I know that Speaker Gunn and the House have always been supportive of raises for our teachers. I'll be eager to sign any raise that the legislature can send me. Our teachers have earned it. It's the right way to invest.
2: Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman says he's pleased to have Reeves support. The Senate voted unanimously last week to provide a $1,000 raise for teachers and teachers assistants. Those in their first three years in the classroom would get a slightly larger bump of $1,110. That's an attempt to get starting teacher pay up to $37,000 a year. The bill is now in the House for further review. Governor Reeves state of the state speech received the customary Democratic response. It was presented this time by Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons of Greenville. His outlook on the state's economy was drastically different. But first, let's hear from Governor Reeves.
0: Despite the once in a century pandemic, Mississippi's economy actually grew year over year. Think about that. We were the third best state in the country for job recovery. That's not just because of an open economy. It's because Mississippians don't want welfare. They want to work. They recognize the pride and dignity that comes with it. And they've been eager to return whenever given the opportunity.
4: Tens of thousands of Mississippians have been laid off during this pandemic. These historic job losses have drained our state's unemployment trust fund and left families struggling to buy groceries and other basic necessities. We must provide support to individuals who have found themselves out of work through no fault of their own. We must also make sure that the hundreds of millions of dollars appropriated to small business relief finds its way to Mississippi's main streets. If we are being honest, COVID small business dollars have moved too slowly, and the back to business grant program has been embarrassingly inefficient.
2: Beneath the Capitol Dome lawmakers are facing a deadline for committees to report general bills and constitutional amendments originating in each chamber. A bill drawing criticism from voting rights advocacy groups would direct election commissioners to remove Mississippians who have not voted over a certain period of time. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman says having voter rolls up to date is important. He explains the bill.
5: It's not necessarily to remove people from the voter rolls. I, I want to get that straight. What it says is. And if you haven't voted in two presidential elections, we send you a postcard to make sure you're still here. And if you don't reply to that postcard within, like, I think it's another four years, then they will take you off the roll. Now, if all of that occurs just on a normal course of events, it's about eight or ten years that you haven't showed up to vote for anything. Not a city council member, a constable or a governor or a president. Now, why is that important? because every year we try to get a jury pool. And to get a jury pool, we have to send out announcements. Like in Hines County and these other counties, they send out hundreds of announcements to just get 50 people to show up. Why is that? Because a lot of people have left and moved somewhere else.
2: Hoseman says while he served as Secretary of State, his office investigated more than 20 counties in Mississippi that had more voters on the rolls than there were people alive. Jerry Adams with the nonprofit advocacy group Mississippi Votes says he understands the concerns of voter roll accuracy, but he does not think Senate Bill 2588 is the way to address them. He says if it's passed by the legislature and signed into law, it could suppress some Mississippians votes.
4: The purpose is supposed to be to, to purge voters from the voter rolls uh, with this bill, but it's a disguise. that's just a means of dropping people who have been, who have moved or, um, died, but we already have laws for that. Right. Um, similar language we have seen in other States and because of that language in other States, it's removed and targeted, um, low income families, uh, minority communities and young people. Um, so, you know, we oppose this bill and it, it will not have the implications that, um, some folks suggest it will be extremely harmful um, to especially vulnerable populations.
2: The American Civil Liberties Union said in a statement the right to vote shouldn't be a use it or lose it policy. Advocates for the measure say it will help keep the voting rolls in Mississippi current and residents can always register to vote again. Leaders of the Capitol are reporting four positive coronavirus cases in the Senate and one in the House with a number of lawmakers quarantined. Across the state of Mississippi, the Department of Health is reporting 2,186 new coronavirus cases and 38 related deaths today. That brings the totals in Mississippi to a little over 272,000 cases and almost 6,000 deaths since March of 2020. Governor Tate Reeves says he wants to increase coronavirus vaccinations rapidly in the month of February, ramping up the state's capacity for weekly inoculations to around 100,000. The state has completed nearly 195,000 total first doses and just under 22,000 second doses. Reeves says the state has received about 37,000 doses a week for the past three weeks from the federal government. Next week, that allocation is expected to increase to 43,000. Vaccinations in Mississippi are currently available for those 65 and older, healthcare workers and those who are at least 16 and have health conditions that might make them more vulnerable to the virus. So let's get straight to the point now with views from both sides of the aisle. Brandon Jones is an attorney and former Democratic member of the House. Austin Barber is a national Republican strategist and founder of the Clearwater Group. Good to have you both
6: back this week. Austin, welcome back.
2: Thank you. Uh, let's talk first, gentlemen, about the, uh, the the State of the State Address. Uh, Austin, your, your impressions of the speech overall.
6: I, I thought it was a good speech. I mean, listen, the most important thing for a governor, this is a weird audience. I mean, my goodness, you had maybe 15% of the normal crowd that would be there. It was outside. Obviously, they're trying mm. to do everything they can to protect the spread of COVID, particularly at the uh, state legislature. Um, but it's, it, is, it was a weird, a weird setup, and I, I thought the governor did a good job. He didn't go on too long, which is always important. No matter whether you have an audience of 1,000 or 1, don't lose them. Uh, and listen, I think he hit the points that, that matter to him and his administration at this point in time. Uh, in no particular order. I mean, first was vaccinations. Listen, we started slow but we've caught up fast. We were at the bottom in terms of vaccinating our people, and now we've moved up quickly. And then two other things, education and jobs. Those, those are the things that really matter to him right now. Not just paying teachers more, that's important, but more choice. That's been a big thing for conservatives in education. Uh, how, do we, how do we improve our, edu- our schools? And then obviously uh, job creation, big things.
5: Yeah, weird speech. I think Austin's right. You go short when you're in that situation. He did, that was, that was smart. Um, Thin on policy, But he did say that his priority was the, uh, you know, uh, vaccination rollout, and it should be. And so uh, that should be at the center of minds, at the governor's office and throughout the legislature and throughout our government. And so I do applaud him for that. Um, I think where we would quibble is his vision of the state in terms of how economically healthy we are. This has been a very difficult time for people in terms of their health, but it's also affected pocketbook and small businesses across the state. So I think that's where you know you'll you, you would see the most room for disagreement and I think that's where the democratic response kind of showed some differences.
2: Do you think that's indicative of the overall feeling? Is there a a real partisan divide in terms of the impressions of the economy at the Capitol?
5: I think there's always a sense when you're in control of government to paint it as rosy as you can. So I think that's probably a truism, no matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. But I think when we talk about, um, you know, you heard him say at one point, Mississippians don't want welfare, they want to work. Well, look, people do want to work but Mississippi has 14% of its citizens that are receiving some form of federal welfare. That's happening. And so the truth of the matter is we as a state, we're a relatively poor state. We have the, the, you know, a gross domestic product that's grown at 0.4% while the rest of the country has grown at 0.8%. So our growth in business has not been what it should be. And our average salary, it does not keep up with the rest of the country. Now, that's not reason to kick ourselves while we're down. But I think we have to be honest about that. I think if you're trying to push tax cut after tax cut after tax cut, including corporate tax cuts that haven't even taken full effect yet, you want to say we're doing great, we're doing vibrant. The truth of the matter is our statistics economically compared to other states paint a picture that Mississippi has some catching up to do, not cutting such a big piece of its economic you know, nut each year.
6: We are a poor rural state. It's obvious. I, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things, big reasons why Tate Reeves his eight years as lieutenant governor, now a year and a half into being governor, has focused on education. Realizing for the next generation of kids and the generation after that, and the generation after that, because it's not gonna change in one generation. It's gonna take several. We have got to make sure that these kids are educated at the best possible way they possibly can be let's give these kids opportunities, whether they live in the most affluent neighborhood or the poorest neighborhood. I have to read these two sentences directly from the speech. We need to keep fighting for every child to have access to the education that they deserve. We need to ensure that parents have the choice to save their children from a district that lets them down. That's why myself and lots of others are staunch advocates for choice in education. Let's support our teachers, our superintendents, our administrators as best we possibly can. And for the ones of those that just for whatever reason are unable to get it done, let's have other options for parents and children, no matter what zip code they live in.
2: Let's talk about what he said about the state income tax. That the, the, the possible elimination of the uh, the state income income tax. What are your
6: thoughts on that, Austin? I, I am all for having a debate about taxes. That's a good thing. Tate Reeves has said, "This is not going to happen overnight. You cannot eat an elephant, but at one bite at a time." Um, the the dollars that come into our general fund for the state income tax is over $2 billion. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. We've got just over $6 billion uh, general fund. So I love the debate. Um, you know, that's something we need to do. But we have got to be smart, got to be slow, be methodical. Let's really debate this and figure out what's the right approach. But eliminating taxes... I'm all for it, let's do it in a smart way. But then you have to make up for that somehow, don't you, Brandon?
5: Yeah, you know, Austin, Democrats are trying to eat the proverbial elephant for a long time. We'll, we'll tell you, it's hard work. <laughs> um, but look, uh, we receive th- the math is where this whole thing falls apart. Like if, if you're just selling folks on the idea of do you want to pay less taxes? Well, of course you do. That's a sugar high. Every, every politician in America is going to say some version of that. But the truth of the matter is, Mississippi's budget relies 40% on that individual income tax. Now, as the corporate income tax break that we approved in prior sessions comes on the books, that numbers would be even greater in future years. Mississippi also receives 40% of its operating budget from the federal government. So let's just think about that, gentlemen. If you take away the individual income tax, Where is this nearly 50% of the existing budget gonna come from? It's it's a tough thing. I think the ultimate result Austin is, we become more reliant on the federal government. So Mississippi, who doesn't want the federal government to tell it how to do its voting rights, it doesn't want the federal government to do Medicaid expansion, it doesn't want the federal government to do all these things, is going to be almost solely dependent financially on the federal government. Taxpayers in New York, California, sending dollars to Mississippi to prop up its state.
6: We don't want the federal government to tell us about our voting rights because we're not the same state we were in the 60s and 70s and the 80s. That's, that's the answer to that. What the hope is, what the is, you know, what the you know, proof from other places is that when you cut taxes, employers have more money, hire more people, pay people more money, more businesses look at Mississippi and say, that's an attractive place. Let's move move our business there. That that, that is the alternative, and always, as it is, the proof is in the pudding.
5: It's It's the great economic theory by the actor from California who made a lot of movies with monkeys that we have never seen play out in actual government. We have heard about tax cuts creating new economic realities for years. We're yet to see it. It nearly drove Kansas into the ditch. It did drive Louisiana into the ditch. Bobby Jindal's not even allowed to come back to Louisiana right now. He did such a bad job on that economy. And I don't know why Tate Reeves, as smart as he is, wants to go down the same path. Well,
6: it's not just Tate Reeves, they are governors in other states, there are people you know, running for governor in other states who are having the same conversation, because we look and we see Texas and Tennessee and North Carolina and Florida, and there for a lot of reasons that those states are doing well, and a lot of things that Mississippi doesn't have that those states have. But we look across the border we look across the region and say, how do we get to where they are? This is why debate is a good thing. <laughs>
2: Let's talk about voter rolls now in this legislation that would uh, attempt to clean up the voter rolls. It, 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 how can you argue with, uh, with the idea of having voter rolls that are accurate and you only have eligible voters on the current voter rolls? Brown.
5: Well, the, the proof text that our news team came up with was Delbert Hoseman saying, you know, we've got to keep these rolls tight. Delbert Hoseman was the secretary of state for eight years leading up to just a short time ago. There are tools in the toolbox to help these local elections officials clean up the voting rolls. They've been there forever. If someone's dead, they're not supposed to be on the voting roll now. If someone is a truly uh, inactive, inoperable voter, or if they move out of the district, that is supposed to be captured right now by diligent circuit court staff. What we see with Republicans is when they lose elections, they tinker with voting. After Barack Obama was elected president, Mississippi got hot and heavy on voter ID. Now Joe Biden has been elected president, so let's figure out how we can do purging. Now look, purging is not a small deal in states across the country. 140,000 people were purged from voting rolls in Ohio, which could have been a difference in the most recent presidential election. We also saw in Georgia, where their governor, back when he was secretary of state, purged untold, maybe even half a million folks from the voting roll, which could have meant the difference in his election to governor. So I think we're asking ourselves, how do we solve a problem that has not been presented as Mm. a problem? Delbert Hoseman said, we did investigations in counties and saw that the numbers didn't match up. He was secretary of state then. He, He had tools to fix that. I think saying, how can we purge more people, limit the participation of people, Who are trying to vote is not the answer and i think it's a political thing i think it's a reaction to an election that was just lost and the base wants to see something in this space
6: yeah i just don't see this at all as we're trying to um i say we the republicans who are behind this bill are trying to limit anybody's voter participation now listen there are a lot of nuances with that with this bill. I don't think it's fair to try to sit here and argue this 100,000 feet. I just don't think that's a fair thing, and I'm not going to try to do it. There are some things that are in this bill that I'm for. There are some other fundamental rights that I'm for, too. I shouldn't have to be... I have the right to vote. I should be able to vote in the elections that I want to, and I should also be able to vote in the elections that I don't want to. Yeah. But... There are Republicans and Democrats who at different times, in different years, 2000 with Al Gore, 2020 with with Donald Trump, who are saying there were issues with the vote. There are issues the way the you know, there were people who shouldn't have voted. That happens in every state, in every city, and in every presidential election. So what does that, what, what does that require? It means that we're supposed to be able, legislators, elected officials, are supposed to be able to give as much security to the public to say this election was done right. These are people that are supposed to have voted. And if we're gonna move into this space where we have massive mail-in balloting, mail-in voting, if that's where we're going, we have to make sure that, you know, dead people are not voting. We have to make sure that if you live at that address, that's really you. So here I am on this side saying, I have the right to vote or not vote. I also have the right, if I'm gonna take this and I wanna make sure that the election is done right, you know, maybe that means I have to, as this says, you know, check a a postcard that comes in the mail from my election commissioner Um, or do something if it's an email if it's a phone call if it's something then maybe I have to do something once every four years to just say hey I'm still here I just didn't like any of you and that's why I didn't vote but I want to be able to vote when I want to vote well
5: well, and these versions are still developing I think you said something really important we don't want to take someone's right to vote away simply because they choose not to participate in a particular election
2: the idea being that if they don't vote for a certain amount of time they might automatically be purged yeah, from the th- rolls. That's
5: right. And we have a federal law that speaks to that. The yeah. National Voter and Rights Act says you can't take away someone's right to vote simply because they don't participate. And I think, you know, that's where we agree. agree. And, and what we'll be watching very closely in the Senate bill and in the House bill is to make sure they don't produce a product like that. Because if they do, you know, that'll be inviting another needless
6: lawsuit for the state. But, but maybe if I'm the guy who says, don't just take my right away because I hadn't found someone that I really wanted to go vote for... Maybe I also have to say, but you know what? I better look for that postcard that the election commissioner is going to send me once. But They'll send it to me every year and in a four-year period, I'm going to have to check a box. Yes, I still live here at 123 Main Street, and I'm going to find an election that I want to vote in one day. It may just put a little bit on voters to say, I'm going to keep the right to vote, but I also know that the election is secure and people who are supposed to vote are actually voting. Would we be having this conversation if Joe Biden had not won the election? I think you would probably say no. But what do you think? Austin? I, I think so. I mean, you know, since I was a little boy, we've always been talking about how do we purge voting rolls in a way that is done correctly. Removing people that are not supposed to vote because they've moved or they don't live anymore. <laughs> it's it's a very simple thing. I, I, I want everybody who wants to be able to vote to be able to vote. But I just want to make sure we're doing this the right way.
5: If your politics depend on exciting the people who are excited by purging voters, I think you're in a weird spot. It's a process this is, this is the type of thing it. that excites Republican voters it, and it shouldn't. I
6: don't think what, it I don't think it excites Republican voters. I think it I think it should give both Republicans and Democrat voters the understanding that this is, these are the people that are supposed to be able to vote. All right.
2: We're going to let that be the last word, gentlemen. Thank you. We're out of time. Don't forget, you can watch this program online or you can listen to the podcast at mpbonline.org issue. And for day-to-day coverage, follow MPB News on Twitter and Facebook. Have a good evening.
1: for listening to the at issue podcast from mpb news if you haven't already subscribe to get new episodes weekly and don't forget to like rate and leave a review you can also stay in touch with mpb news on twitter and facebook for daily news check out the mississippi edition podcast thanks for listening